And we're live. Sorry, it took a little while. I was in the middle of the anabolic uh, podcast with Paul Barnett, and I had to load all of the questions into the, the chat here so we can go right into it. Uh, please let me know how the audio sounds. I just bought a new laptop, so I had to set everything up just today, and I couldn't get my microphone to connect, so now I'm using the microphone from the laptop. So fingers crossed everything is going well. If there's somebody here, please let me know how I sound. Okay, uh, let's see. We have a ton of questions, some of which were from the live stream that I did on my birthday two days ago, where I told people not to super chat for drug questions, but they still did. So let's just get started answering those. Uh, Eka Grata Occult asks, favorite mitochondrial support supplement? Well, there are many. There are many supplements which support mitochondrial function. Um, so just watch the video. Basically, the mitochondrial support stack. So I mean, there's there's so many. I think my favorite one is nicotinamide mononucleotides, which of course helps with NAD plus levels. Now, that doesn't directly contribute to mitochondrial function. It's mostly for the enzymatic reactions which are occurring in the body. But if I purely were to go for mitochondrial function that is sustainable, I would say ubiquinol to act as an electron donor in the processes which occur in the mitochondria, particularly in the heart, for ATP synthesis. But again, watch the mitochondrial support stack video. I have a ton of different options there and recommendations for mitochondrial function. And I will include, even include some more in the upcoming endurance deep dive discussing how to optimize skeletal muscle function. We go over DADA. I'm not exactly sure what the full chemical name is, but it also inhibits some steps of ATP recycling. And does your ATP levels will be significantly higher. Again, it will drop next week or the week after. I still have to finalize the document and then ultimately record it. So a lot more options about mitochondrial support and uh, you know optimizing everything alongside of a mitochondrial function coming up shortly. Simon G asks, is it okay to run TRT plus Primo slash Mastron while at high body fat? Well, I think that's okay because primobolin or mastron helps to prevent the conversion of testosterone into estradiol, but the ratio of testosterone to primo or mastron might be higher, being higher on the primo or the mastron, because if you have higher body fat, you also have a lot more aromatase enzyme expression in adipose tissue, and thus you have more likeliness of testosterone to convert into estradiol. So you might need a uh, one to one half ratio instead of a ratio of one to one. So if you want to run, let's say 150 milligrams of test, you might need uh, 225 milligrams of Primo or Mastron to prevent the conversion of testosterone into estradiol to a certain extent, so you have favorable estradiol levels. All right, so again, do your blood work, see where you're at before adding in the, the Primo and the Mastron on a TRT dose, and then see how much you need to adjust further on after four to six weeks on Primo and Mastron in this one to one and a half ratio, right, on your testosterone levels. All right. SNC Nutrition asks, is 6 milligrams of sub sublingual anavar 30 minutes, 30 minutes pre-workout effective without messing with HDL? Also, on non-workout days, can you take 6 milligrams anavar first thing in the morning? Um, any steroids will mess with your lipid levels. No ifs, no ways about, uh, about it. <laughs> That's the correct way to say it. But if you supplement with something like berberine, citrus bergamot, fish oil, um, you know, healthy fat intake in general, their ACL levels might not budge that much on six milligrams sublingual anivar. But if you take six, five milligrams, 10 milligrams, whatever dose of anivar every single day, HDL will certainly come down unless you put something in place 
to um, have a favorable positive net outcome are your HDL levels to the point they don't come down. But now you're overcompensating with the supplements and the, you know, the particular practices to keep that somewhat elevated. So if you go with six milligrams anovar per day, I would do it again, sublingual 30 minutes, 30 minutes pre-workout and then uh, six milligrams anovar first thing in the morning on rest days. Totally cool. Totally cool. Next one. Amor Fati asks, thought on using Deca plus Anavar at the same time. That's fine, but you need a testosterone base. I mean, Deca is good for joint lubrication and collagen synthesis. Anavar is good for co collagen synthesis and, uh, you know, connectile uh, tissue strength. And, you know, if everything is in place and you have a nice stack of tests, maybe a little bit of Deca on top, 50 to 200 milligrams per week, and then uh, let's say 5, 10, 20 milligrams Anavar per day, I think that's a good stack. But you need a testosterone base don't just run deca and anivar unless you're one of those testosterone non-responders but you'll have to experiment with testosterone first to figure out if you're a testosterone non-responder right don't just go to the deca only cycle assuming that you're a testosterone non-responder when you haven't even tried testosterone yet exogenous testosterone that is joseph b asks a trt doctor suggested not to take pregnenolone as it can raise estradiol levels too high thoughts fire doctor uh, currently on 140 milligrams testosterone per week and 40 milligrams DHEA. Okay, so what are your uh, estrogen levels? Right, if you add in pregnenolone, maybe 10 milligrams per day will have you give you favorable progesterone levels and favorable allopregnenolone levels. Maybe raise your DHEA sulfate levels slightly, testosterone levels slightly, and estradiol levels slightly. But maybe as a net result, you feel even better than you currently do. So, do your blood work. Check your estradiol levels, check your progesterone levels, start supplementing with 10 milligrams pregnenolone morning, evening, or splitting up the dose morning and evening, and then see what happens. Maybe you can bring your DHA dose down. Maybe your pro, uh, progesterone levels, allopregnenolone levels, and your estrogen levels come up slightly, but to favorable ranges, not to the point you need an aromatized inhibitor. So get your hands dirty, and if your doctor is right, okay. Maybe lower your DHEA dose to compensate to 25 milligrams per day. So your net outcome of estradiol increases is the same by adding in the pregnenolone. I think a balance of pregnenolone and DHEA alongside of your TRT is more beneficial than just running DHEA. Again, some people don't respond well to pregnenolone. Some people don't respond well to DHEA. Figure it out through self-experimentation and do your damn blood work along the way. Jin Kwan asked, thought on getting inflammation, thoughts on giving, fucking no, thought, dry mouth, thoughts on getting inflammation-like reaction when using Dianabol or Viagra, flakes all over my flake, uh, face, hair, and skin. Is it a histamine response? It could be that you're allergic to the binders that they use in the Dianabol and the Viagra. I know that there's some underground labs out there that use some weird binders that some people are allergic to. So maybe switch brands, use the exact same dose of Dianabol, exact same dose of Viagra. If you still get it, then obviously Dianabol and Viagra is not for you. But it's very likely that by switching brands and switching the binder of the tablets that you're taking um, resolves the issue right away. Some people are just allergic. I've had it happen a couple of times. You, you use some underground lab and you get this weird histamine, inflammatory, itchy-like response. And you stop it for two days, you take a different brand and everything is okay. You get the beneficial effects of the tablet that you were taking. So give that some thought. 
Marcus Lenzer asks, hey Steve, is the transdermal application of DHA and pregnenolone comparable to sublingual? Second question, in my case, it seems that pregnenolone administration fasting orally is metabolized too fast. So my pregnenolone and uh, pregnenolone sulfate does not increase, but my DHA sulfate does. Progesterone remains relatively low at 0.2. Yeah, that's, that's fine. I think for men, that's, that's totally fine. It's not too low. I bet 0.5 would be better even with higher oral pregnenolone administration. Should I add a low-dose transdermal progesterone administration bioidentical two times per 1.5 milligrams two times per day with a pregnenolone transdermal administration? Oh, what? Progesterone and pregnenolone transdermal. Jeez, what, what, how long is this question? DHEA, I take 25 milligrams sublingually in the morning fasted. Okay, so I would try pregnenolone transdermal first, right? If it with oral or sublingual administration of pregnenolone, uh, levels don't really budge because the metabolism through your liver um, or, you know, in peripheral tissue is uh, not favorable for pregnenolone. Progesterone, my bad, is not favorable for progesterone and allopregnenolone and everything else downstream. It could be that you're taking something that inhibits the conversion of pregnenolone into progesterone. I can't exactly remember which enzymes that were, so please watch the video about, um, what was it called? All right, stereogenesis inhibitors. I have a video about it, it's about 30 minutes long. Use the timestamps to skip to particular enzymes where pregnenolone into progesterone metabolism is mentioned and then see if any of the um, medications that are on that list are the medications that you're taking. So maybe you're just inhibiting the steps, but if it's converting from pregnenolone into DHEM more readily, maybe transdermal administration will help, uh, but you're going to have to figure it out. I would start with pregnenolone transdermal first, give that four weeks, check your levels again, see if you need to go with uh, progesterone transdermal on top of that, but that's very unlikely. Yeah, because most men seem to favorably convert pregnenolone into progesterone and then allopregnenolone downstream. So again, step by step to figure it out. And otherwise, add in HCG because HCG also raises preg uh, progesterone levels quite favorably, right? So maybe maybe you need 250 IOs HCG three times a week uh, on top of this uh, protocol. And then you come back with good libido and good neuro neurosteroid and good sex hormone levels all around and you don't need to go to transdermal around risking uh, transferring to anybody else in your household right I, I don't really like transdermal to be honest all right next one marcus lenzer asks hey steve is the detection time of hcg hmg about 30 days for sub-q injections in urine doping tests my sources say seven to ten days uh, after the last uh, subcutaneous administration uh, i think it's about 14 days to play it safe assuming you have good kidney function. And the problem with HMG is, even though it has LH and FSH, which is uh, not on the list, HMG might contain um, trace amounts of HCG and thus make you fail on HCG if uh, you're not abiding by this 14-day uh, metabolism clearance test. So sub-Q, I would go with 14 days just to play it safe, but it does appear to be 7 to 10 days depending on the dose and the administration frequency and the overall state of your kidney health. Right, use two to four IOs uh, or two to four times 250 IOs ATG per week uh, currently. Okay, so I would stop two weeks and then you should be able to beat the drug test. Yeah, or you can continue with uh, testosterone suspension and stop that like four to five days before the drug test. But that's with intramuscular administrations. With sub-Q, we don't really know. Keep that in mind. 
Aaron Rolick asks, hello coach, if I have 250 uh, milligrams per one milliliter vial and I want to take 300 milligrams per week with every other day injection frequency, how do I calculate that? Okay, so you want, um, let, let, let's whip out the calculator, calculator. So you need uh, a little bit more than one ml. So 200, no, wait, wait, 300 divided by 250 is 1.2 milliliters per week, but you go every other day. So you have to divide 1.2 milliliters by 3.5, right? Every other day of the week. That means, every, wait a minute, 1.2 divided by 3.5, okay. <laughs> That means every injection should be about 0.57, let's say 0.6 milliliters. Um, is that correct? That's not correct. What the hell? What, what's going on with my calculator? 0.34. My bad. My calculator was failing me just now. 0.34 milliliters every other day to get 300 milligrams over the week. I right? hope this helps. So again, the calculation is as follows. Uh, let me just put it on the screen. The 300 divided by 250. Where is... I just got a new laptop, guys, so excuse me if my... my use of the keyboard isn't... Uh... There you go. Let's see, all the way down. This is the calculation. 300 milligrams divided by 250, right? That's So you get 1.2. And then 1.2 is the amount of milliliters that you need to inject to get 300 milligrams from this 250 milligrams per one milliliter vial. And then divided by 3.5, which is every other, every other day administrations over the week, then you get your administration dose. Okay, I see there's a couple of people here. Please let me know how the audio is because I'm not using the normal microphone because I couldn't connect that to this new phone. So I'm using the internal microphone with some fancy um adjustments on top hopefully it sounds good all right where are we let me scroll back up zach Kabalik asks thoughts on rips in reserve versus failure versus uh, for maximum results i trained the failure and i'm open to trying reps and reserves approach but can't help to but notice everyone who's an advocate of reps and reserve also trained to failure in the first 10 years of training and where they put on a majority of the foundations of their muscles. I think that you need to train the failure, at least a couple sets, could be four sets, could be six sets, but I don't think it's needed to take 12 sets to failure during your workout, which is what most of the people used to do when they started training to failure following Dorian Yates or like-minded uh, people training with high intensity. I don't think that's required. I think you'll set yourself up for injury. But I do think you need to take a couple sets to failure. doesn't mean it have to be all the sets. Let's say if you do four or five exercises per body part, the first two sets you maybe keep a couple reps in reserve, you know, higher rep ranges, let's say 12, nine reps or eight reps. And then, but you keep reps in reserve, right? So in reality, you could do maybe 15 reps or 10, 12 reps with that weight. And then the last set you might take to failure. But, you know, it, it highly depends on your drug intake, your sleep quality, your food intake, your over-counter supplementation protocol, what kind of inter-workout, post-workout, pre-workout you take, right? There's so many that goes into how you modulate your training intensity, volume, and, and, and time under tension, etc. Um, but the most sustainable approach is usually the most enjoyable approach. So if you like to do a couple sets with reps in reserve and a couple sets with uh, training to failure and maybe a couple force uh, reps training beyond failure, and you're having a fun, 
and you look good, go for it, man. You know, unless you're competing and it's your job, then you really need to have a strategic approach. But most people do well training the way they like to train. And, and I still like to train the failure here and there. But right now, the recovery capability isn't there because I'm trying to lean out a little bit. And I'm only on, you know, a little bit of HCG, FSH, and Incrolex. And it's not enough to recover with the limited amount of food intake that I have currently from training to failure six sets or eight sets per workout. So lots of reps in reserve, a lot of edgy. So what I'm doing right now. All right, Darius asks, okay, hear me out. You get a new dog, but it's diagnosed with dwarfism. So you get a growth hormone <laughs> prescription. You take all the do dog's growth hormone for your own cycle, yay or nay. Um, oh, I like small dogs and I don't think that dwarfism is uh, deleterious to their health. Um, I, again, I could be mistaken. I'm not a dog expert. I have cats, not dogs. Um, so medical conditions aside, if it's purely cosmetically, I don't think the dog is going to be uh, going through life feeling uh, highly insecure because their stature is a little bit shorter. And otherwise, I get a dog that's shorter, like a Chihuahua. So your dog that you currently have can feel not as bad about his dwarfism that is uh, diagnosed in human terms, but not in dog terms. So he probably doesn't know any better. Uh, take the GH, but you know, GH on prescription is expensive, whether that's for dogs or for humans. So I would just go with uh, not taking the GH on prescription and using the undergun lab scene. Instead, get your pharma GH through the gray area markets, save yourself some money, get a second dog and a third dog, and then you're all a happy family. You can be the biggest person in the house. And then with three dogs, the more the merrier, right? And you can do a lot of fast cardio and walking around. Uh, or walking in between meals with all the dogs that you need to let out. Yeah, that would be my approach, but I still like cats. Geo asks, did an MRI on my pituitary gland recently? Insurance covered it. They found a two millimeter tumor on it. So that's a benign pituitary adenoma that shouldn't metastasize in the large majority of the cases. And it's actually more common than you think. It might not be a tumor. It might just be a benign growth. Um, should it be worried 29 years old on TRT? Okay, so check your pituitary hormones. Um, what is that? Uh, prolactin, human chorionic gonadotropin. Yes, can also be elevated. HCG, that is. Can also be elevated if you have pituitary adenoma. Luteinizing hormone, follicle stimulating hormone, uh, all of the other. What, what else is? Uh, well, growth hormone releasing hormone is acting on the pituitary, right? So that's not the one that's elevated. But just check which hormones are elevated. And then uh, see if it needs to be uh, taken care of. But I'm not entirely sure how that needs to be taken care of. I talked to a lot of people who had a pituitary adenoma that's 100% benign. They are on TRT and they've been on TRT for quite some time, maybe a decade or two decades. The pituitary adenoma doesn't get any bigger, doesn't change in size. Uh, it's just there and uh, not doing anything tremendously and you know besides maybe having pituitary hormones all over the place so if your pituitary hormones are not all over the place i think you're going to be fine but i'm not a medical profession so please discuss that with your doctor um that's not something that i'm specialized in so maybe uh, go through your own research to see um, yeah what you need to put in place Geo asks, do you think a low dose of 20 to 50 milligrams DMP might be sustainable aid for fat loss over time? Lower side effects, decent reward. Uh, I think that's the quitter's mentality. I think DMP is, you know, no. 
I know there's some scientific evidence that shows uh, that a low dose DMP or was it 25 to 50 milligrams can actually help with mitochondrial function. Um, but it's basically the same as taking high dose curcumin or high dose resorbitrol. You get some sort of adaptive response by putting your body under stress. So the oxidative stress will still be there. And maybe, again, you get some sort of adaptive response out of it for anti-aging purposes. But there's so many ways to lose fat, including just lowering your caloric intake. Uh, and that doesn't come with the oxidative stress or the potential for cataracts or, or you know, DNA damage and that kind of stuff. So why risk it, right? Why risk it? I have so many videos about fat loss alternatives. Yeah, I know DNP is a lot cheaper, but look into something like terzepidides to blunt your appetite. You get a little bit of overlap through the gastro gastroinhibitory polypeptide receptor pathway by having this free form of adipose or uh, lipids from adipose tissue coming out of the adipose tissue. And, 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 you know, the appetite suppressing effect that you get out of it, very sustainable, very beneficial, albeit that it might be more expensive. Yeah, so look for alternatives. That's what I would say. Next one, Gio asks, pharma tested gel versus compounded pharmaceutical 20% cream, pros and cons. Um, I don't know what the percentage is on testo gel versus compound pharmacy, but both are coming from a pharmaceutical company. So I would say if the dose is the same, then the results are going to be the same. The problem is with uh, testosterone creams and gels is that it's topical, transdermal, and thus it might transfer to somebody else in your household. I mean, there's so many horror stories online where, um, you know, kids or wives get these virilizing effects because uh, the husband, the dad, is on a testosterone cream. So do some research. If there's nobody in your household, if you're solo, um, then yeah, you can go for it. But as soon as you have a partner, especially when you have kids, fuck man, I would not touch it. I would not fucking touch it. I would inject. Yeah, too risky. Gio also asks, is low SHBG level to be worried about? Yes, it will affect your libido and potentially your gains. On TRT, 250 milligrams weekly. Okay, so just keep your TRT going. Don't think about the testo gel. My SSBG is at 15.4. The reference range is from 6.5 to 56. So yeah, that's a little bit on the low side. If you want your SSBG a little bit higher, you can do more infrequent administrations of testosterone subcutaneously or intramuscularly. It doesn't really matter. Um, but I would go with subcutaneously so you don't have so much conversion into estradiol. But the burden of androgens at any given time might be a little bit less compared to um, daily administrations. Because with daily administrations, you get this constant inflow of androgens, less even less conversion of uh, testosterone into estradiol. And estradiol seems to be one of the regulating factors of SHBG production besides hormone uh, uh, thyroid hormone levels. So maybe if you go on at 100 micrograms 100 micrograms t4 your shbg levels will come up slightly maybe if you go to more infrequent administrations let's say monday wednesday friday your shbg levels will come up more favorably simply because the androgen burden is in more infrequent but your estradiol levels might still be the same right or come up slightly allowing your shbg levels to come up even more and then otherwise um you know once a week administration i will give you the best possible SHBG levels on that particular dose. Might still not be enough. You might still need thyroid interventions or uh, allowing your estradiol levels to come up even higher. Um, yeah, or, or, or maybe you need to follow a carnivore diet. That's terrible for your SHBG levels in the sense that they come up quite substantially. So multiple options and otherwise watch the SHBG video that I have on my website. Just type in SHBG in the search function 
and a multitude of options will manifest, including turkesterone and ectisterone supplementation. Might not yield much anabolic benefit on top of the testosterone you're already taking, but it might be able to move the needle from 14 point or 15.4 to let's say two or three points on top of that, up to 18, maybe even 20 on your SHBG. All right, trial and error, figure it out. Geo asks again, red blood cells count came back as high, 588 right now over the reference range, medical 50. Re yeah, okay, I know the reference range. At what point should I start getting concerned? Well, your hematocrit is 50, so that means the percentage of your blood is still good, but you have higher blood cells because you might be deficient in iron or B vitamins. Keep in mind that the red blood cells contain hemoglobin, and when the hemoglobin content of your red blood cells is low, the size of your red blood cells is going to be lower, and your body starts to overcompensate by producing more red blood cells, so the overall oxygen delivery is now uh, increased because... Um, you have more hemoglobin in more red blood cells to compensate for that. But if you're on a good B50 complex morning and evening, so high B vitamin intake, particular B, uh, vitamin, vitamin B9 and 12, folic acid and methylcobalamin, and iron coming from beef or iron supplementation, when your micronutrient intake is sufficient, your red blood cells should be at the top of the range, but your hematocrit also at the top of the reference range, but not over it. Right? And then at one point, if both are over it through whatever reason, then you either need to reduce your iron intake or do a therapeutic phlebotomy or go and hydrate it. Because it could be that you went in dehydrated, drink one and a half liters of water before you draw your blood, and then maybe your red blood cell count in a matter is perfectly favorable. All right. Next one, Darius asks, should one use boron year-round or only when taking exogenous insulin on a daily basis? I think boron only improves insulin sensitivity on uh, men who are type 1 or type 2 diabetic, but I haven't really seen it improve insulin sensitivity on men who are otherwise healthy. Can it lower inflammation? Yes. Can it act as an antioxidant? Yes. Can it lower SHBG levels? Favorably, yes. But exogenous insulin, if you take that, I don't think that boron is going to tip the needle in insulin sensitivity, um, but I could be mistaken here. I could be mistaken. How much will it contribute on top of fish oil, magnesium? Uh, we didn't drop the MK677 video yet, right? It will be next week. A lot of ideas, and I did my due diligence researching on what over-the-counter supplements can improve insulin sensitivity, um, and boron was not one of them. So, you know, but maybe I need to do some more research. I, I think it, it will lower your SHBG, maybe act as an antioxidant, lower inflammation, but I don't think it's going to do anything for your insulin sensitivity. John Prather asks, besides taking the day off from training, are there any other recommendations you'd have for somebody before and after a power hit donation? Um, no, because you return all of the plasma, so the hemoglobin, the iron, all of the micronutrients, the electrolytes present in your blood will be returned, only you're removing the red blood cells. And of course, you're removing uh, you know, a decent amount of fluids, but not all of it. You're still not returning all of the fluids uh, from your plasma. So I think if you take a day off from training and just eat right and, and, and you know, uh, drink right, then you should be okay with the day off from the gym, you know. Plus you have two holes or well, two holes, right, in your body. So you want to let that heal also. Ahmed asks, from your content about Incrolex and other IGF-1s, the most talk about uh, recomp. So is it theoretically or anecdotally someone can lose fat and gain muscle at the same time 
breaking the second law law of thermodynamics calories in versus calorie out because we have to change the chemical variables with peds uh, i saw it on myself from 15 percent body fat at 92 kilos 12 percent body fat 95 kilos but i was also uh, after a long break okay so the increlex right now is causing body recomposition partially because um, you get this nutrient partitioning effect on top of whatever else you're doing partially because i have muscle memory my, my muscles used to be a lot bigger than they are currently so the fullness is increasing but the muscle is not increasing um if anything i'm pretty much well i did i did gain a little bit of strength here and there so basically the recovery has come up the fullness has come up but the body fat levels are still coming down so nets I'm pretty much the same weight. I'm still about 98 kilos, but I'm leaner and fuller, potentially with a little bit more muscle, which is now just recovering from the time um, I had when I was 118, 120 kilos years ago. So I don't think it's possible to run Increlex and then slowly start recomping um, to the point you gain muscle if you're, let, at, let's say, at the top of your limit, a natural limit otherwise. Uh, before the incorrect obviously but if you're on uh, you know a boatload of performance enhancing drugs i think it certainly can contribute that being said incorrect is still hard to source a couple of people ordered it online and it showed up denatured which i saw painfully the pictures where you see the incorrect bottle is just completely cloudy uh, i wouldn't inject that that's that's a couple hundred dollars uh, not well spent i would say so uh, i'm very lucky um that i have access to it through a domestic source but you know uh, maybe IGF-1 LR3 can do the same, but again, you know, you're not breaking the law of thermodynamics that it has nothing to do with weight gain. It has to do with energy expenditure. So you could expend energy um, more coming from adipose tissue while still remaining fullness and still building muscle mass. That's what the steroids are there for, you know, or the performance enhancing drugs in that sense. All right, Ahmed asks also, I have a sore but inflamed glutes can I inject it with glutathione with its anti-inflammatory effects and can it heal? Is it a bad idea? Now, I would not inject any more. I would watch the video about, um, what is it called? Red cabbage and then put the red cabbage. I have a video about this. It didn't get any views, obviously, because it's so niche, but it does fucking work. Um, you buy red cabbage. It has some polyphenolic anti-inflammatory compounds. You put the red cabbage on your sore or inflamed glutes. You sleep with that overnight and then the next day, you will see that the inflammation and the soreness is gone or severely diminished. Yeah, red cabbage leaves. Just buy them at the grocery store, wrap your glutes in it, the cellophane wrap or tight boxer shorts. And if they're super tight, then cut a hole in the front so your balls don't get constricted. And don't walk around with that, obviously. But, you know, some shorts are so tight that you need to make some space on the front end. You're only trying to compress the back end where the soreness is. I put the uh, red uh, red cabbage leaves in there. Sleep it off. Really, you'll see. And then uh, you can do the glutathione if you want. I mean, glutathione isn't really an anti-inflammatory. It's an antioxidant. It's more of an antioxidant. So inject that somewhere else if you want an antioxidant effect. But anti-inflammatories, um, you know, come in the form of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs like uh, ibuprofen, for example. But I would say that the red cabbage will give you some localized relief. Where can we inject the glutathione? Um, for antioxidant purposes, I would say 600 milligrams, maybe three times a week is more than enough. Intramuscularly in the lats, in the glutes, but you're having sore glutes right now. So joke's on you. 
not too bad. Um, and otherwise, uh, the quads. Yeah, it's water-based. If it's pharmaceutical, there's no issue with it. Just make sure you practice safe and sterile injection uh, techniques. And these should be okay. I do uh, my glutathione shots still, 600 milligrams per day, um, intramuscularly in the glutes. And I don't have any issues. Yeah. Oh, that's a funny one. Why are my balls bigger on Tremblone and shrink on test only? That's interesting. So apparently testosterone and other uh, anabolic energetic steroids can permeate the testicular tissue if the concentration in your body is high enough and thus um, stimulates the androgen receptors in the testicles into spermatogenesis. This is how HCG works or luteinizing hormone works. It produces intertesticular testosterone and this intertesticular testosterone from the Leydig cells migrates to the Sertoli cells binds to the androgen receptors there and then initiates spermatogenesis um, making the Sertoli cells grow in size and if your test dose or Tremblone dose is high enough this can permeate into the testicles without exogenous ATG or LH in place from uh, endogenously produced pituitary LH uh, it can still permeate into the testicles and activate the androgen receptors in the Sertoli cells allowing them to start producing sperm so some people notice that their semen volume goes up on high test, or in this case, Tremblone, even though most men would experience complete testicular shutdown. So you're quite unique in the sense, um, and if you like a full stack of nuts, you do test only with HCG or test with Tremblone on top. Yeah, maybe you find uh, the missing link. Marco Marcel. What should I do in case of getting sick, catching a cold? Should I drop the dose of TRT for a week and then go back or change nothing at all? No, just take a week off from the gym. Um, take some vitamin C as an antioxidant. It might boost your immune system. But stay in your dose of TRT. I mean, TRT doesn't negatively affect your immune system. If anything, it speeds up your metabolism, allowing to clear this cold faster. And even though white blood cell count concentrations in the bloodstream might be a little bit less because... Um, I think that uh, testosterone or any other androgens just shorten the active life of white blood cells. So you still produce the same amount, but because they have androgen receptors, it might shorten the active life and thus overall concentrations come down slightly. Most men are still 4,000, 5,000, 6,000 um, million cells per milliliter, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but the, the range is like, say, 4,000 to 11,000. Yeah, the numbers, not the concentrations. I think it's million cells per cubic millimeter. Yeah, cubic millimeter, not milliliter, cubic millimeter. All right, so um, you should be okay. I, I would just stay on TRT, take a week off, keep your body hot, maybe do a sauna, you know, kill off the germs and the mega dose vitamin C, which you should be doing anyway for collagen synthesis and antioxidant status. Uh, I don't think that vitamin C has a deleterious effect on your gains if you're already on steroids. All right, next one. Man, everybody's still watching uh, anabolic podcast, probably. <laughs> Only four people here. Everybody was bored after my birthday uh, bash. Okay. On testosterone alone, my balls shrink to grapes and tremble. Oh, we just answered this, right? On trembling acetate and test, both 300 milligrams, my balls grow back to large normal excise. Excise. Hmm. Damn. <laughs> How do you train your inductors, bro? <laughs> I aromatize highly. Your thoughts? Oh, put an aromatized inhibitor in place. Keep your balls nice and full, you know? Ejaculate um, 
for a, a whole uh, team of cheerleaders. I can't say a football team, right? So I have to say cheerleaders, assuming that the cheerleaders are women. Uh, <laughs> you have male cheerleaders also, which is uh, weird to me, but I'm not an American, so I can't, I can't judge. Um, but yeah, uh, if this works, keep your balls at X size, which is, again, kudos to you, uh, but you aromatize highly, then then put in an aromatized inhibitor or maybe Prima Bolin on top or Masterone, get yourself into nicely uh, shredded shape, you know, with this uh, favorable stack of test train and masterone, and then spread the spread the love, man. <laughs> spread the love. <laughs> yeah, good shit. Derma or Dharma, are there any concerns with bruising from injectable L carotene? Uh, well, you're piercing the skin, and bruising is basically uh, internal bleeding. So yes, anything you inject can cause bruising. So um, don't pay it any mind. I mean, I have bruises on my quads and glutes, and well, I'm not going to show you on live stream, obviously, but I have them. I have some bruising here. Where is it? Here. Look at this. See that? That's not from uh, injectable carnitine, though. That's from dry needling. Um, so you know, a little bit of dry needling in that area to remove a lot of scar tissue, allow for blood flow, permeate uh, the tight issue, uh, the tight tendons, basically. And then you get some bruising too, because guess what? You're piercing the skin, you're passing uh, blood vessels. The blood will leak out of your um, veins and does cause bruising. So bruising is part of the game if you're injecting. Could be uh, L-carnitine, could be uh, glutathione, could be steroids, could be growth hormone, could be insulin. Anything you inject can cause bruising because you're literally piercing the skin, creating a hole in your body. So if you have terrible bruising and you have redness, and uh, you know flu-like symptoms and it's hot to the touch that's an infection that's not bruising that's an infection which can happen with uh, water-based or even oil-based injections so if that's the case get some keflex augment them go to the doctor get it diagnosed and then see how you need to fix it all right all right i guess we're through the questions let me refresh the patreon see if i missed anything Mm, oh, I got a message here. Trying to post. It's not working. Oh, yeah, it's because it's such a long post. Psychedelics. All right, I'll copy it from our DMs. Don't worry, Steve to the rescue. What is this? Uh, let me sure we have your username on screen. Let me do some text editing. One second. Uh, is this the same question or no? I didn't read the question yet. <laughs> now let's answer social justice warrior first, so I don't miss it. Any advice on glute injections? My ventral glutes needs time to rest. Do sub-Q instead. You can do your entire steroid cycle sub-Q. I have videos about this. Just type in subcutaneous or sub-Q in the search function. And you'll get a whole video, actually multiple videos, about this particular practice. Intramuscular administrations ultimately cause a lot of scar tissue. And the more scar tissue you create, the more muscle definition you lose and the more functionality you use. Uh, you lose, not use, <laughs> lose. So I wish I started doing subcutaneous administrations uh, a long time ago. I, I did remember, um, what is his name? Dr. Eric Chrysler? Let me let me make sure Eric Chrysler. No, not Eric. Sub 
kill. I think his last name was Chrysler. Jan Chrysler. What's his name? John Chrysler. John Chrysler. Yeah, he talked about sub Q like years ago. And I wish I did it a lot sooner. So I do most of my injection sub-Q besides the glutathione shots. But everything else, uh, I do sub-Q. So my glutes are already ruined. <laughs> Even though I've done a lot of deep tissue massage therapy on them, um, they're still not in the, the best state. Uh, but my knees certainly feel a lot better. So I just go sub-Q, man. Do a daily sub-Q mic administrations on the upper glute area. That's the last place where the pants come off. The last place that anybody would see besides your significant other. And um, again, your significant other wouldn't care about some bumps and lumps and uh, bruising on the back of your butt cheeks, right? Unless they do, um, you know, pegging, but I didn't know. Yeah, let's not go there. All right, here's your DM. A psychedelics and anabolics asks, hey, Steve, you're the man. All right, much appreciated. Great content and love you. A lot of you haven't fallen into the natty or not uh, type videos. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I'd sell my soul. Keeping it scientific and informative, it did not get a baseline blood work done ever. The do my balls so why do my testicles shrink on testipionate, but my balls retain their size, reverse shrink it's on from testosterone when I take train A's. I've been on testosterone for many years, so it's the same question three times. <laughs> I'm 33, wanted to run the first cycle of real anabolics, decided to run trimbalone, go bigger, go home. Right, that's right. Uh, I thought trend being so suppressive would do the opposite uh, about, uh, you know, losing the balls. And uh, just the women showed up. Ale Alexandra Carrera is here. And, um, yeah, so now we're talking about ball size. Sorry, ma'am, that you have to sit through that. So um, please use timestamps to go back a little bit uh, explaining or where I was explaining that uh, androgens can permeate into the testicular tissue and uh, activate the androgen receptors on the Sertoli cells. And if that happens to be trimbalone in your case, then just enjoy it. Make sure you use an aromatized inhibitor. Alex Carrera. I'm about to start using Anivar at 2.5 milligrams per day. I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to have blood work done after two months. Anything I need to look out for over-the-counter supplement recommendations also. So 2.5 milligrams of Anivar is reasonably benign, but after two months, you should get some results. Again, you're a competitor, you have a great physique. So maybe you need to bump up the dose with time, right? The muscularity is already there. The, the leanness and that kind of stuff is already there. So you might need a little bit more, maybe five milligrams, maybe 10 milligrams. Some of these high-level coaches prescribe 20 milligrams of Anivar per day for their female competitors. So uh, you need to figure out your sweet spot. And of course, the higher the dose, the more of a negative effect you will have on your lipids and your liver enzymes. So after two, two months on 2.5 milligrams Anivar, I would say that HDL will come down slightly. LDL will come up slightly. It could be as little as one to five points. Um, and again, you have to keep in mind that you're, you know, you have your fol follicular period and your ovulating period and your periods according to your menstrual cycle. So your lipids might fluctuate throughout that period as well. Liver enzymes might come up slightly, but on 2.5 milligrams of Anivar, I would say not much. Um, citrus bergamot. Berberine, fish oil, again, we've mentioned this many times before on the channel, would favorably improve your lipids. And Tutka, NAC, uh, fiber in your diet, that will generally help with liver health. I think that 2.5 to 5 milligrams Anivar year-round is very sustainable, not very virilizing, but sufficient enough to build good muscle tissue. If you're a competitive bikini athlete, but I can't really see 
I think your bikini based on the pose. Um, I would say that that's good. And then maybe during contest prep, you need to bump up the dose to 10 milligrams, 15 milligrams, 20 milligrams, which of course is not very sustainable. But during contest prep, you're in a caloric deficit. So you need to bump up the dose to sustain your muscularity, your training intensity, and get a little bit of hardness, which is required for bikini class or there above. And, but then the exposure is, um, oh, she says yes, bikini. Okay, good. Then the exposure window is maybe two months, three months during contest prep. So for the majority of the year, you're on 2.5 to 5 milligrams. And then once per year, you do a contest prep, you bump it up to 10 milligrams, 20 milligrams. Again, highly dependent on you, what you're willing to risk, your entire performance enhancing drug protocol. Um, I think that most women can get away with 5 milligrams to 10 milligrams anivar. Um, if they compete in bikini and they have a little bit of cleaning growth hormone and maybe 5 amino 1 mq, terzepidite, blunt appetite, right? Maybe a, a low dose of uh, T4 for metabolism. Again, individual drug combinations um, need to be designed based on blood work. Yeah. All right. And I think we're through the cues for today. Let me see if there's anything on YouTube. Guys, how's the audio quality so far? I'm a little bit worried because I'm using the internal microphone of this uh, camera. Oh, they already stopped. Paul already stopped. Why? Dude, it's no fun without me. <laughs> Don't uh, be jealous. Don't serve. Oh, shut up, Steve. Let's see. Any questions here? No, no questions here either. Okay. Well, uh you guys have 10 minutes to ask me anything <laughs> then i'm gonna go to the bathroom and uh go public uh, ask a 40 year old anything comments were very nice by the way yeah a lot of people <laughs> couldn't believe that i was 40. <laughs> so that's good to hear i thought you were like 35. somebody even said that you're like a weather 29 year old which <laughs> is okay you know, that's okay. It, it, these lights, frontal lights help. You know, if you have top lights, oh man, I look like an old fart. Yeah, coming off stairs does wonder for your, uh, you looking younger. No, yeah. Can't wait to be off growth hormone and ink relax so this bloat can go away a little bit. I'm a bit water retentive. I think I'll stop like four to five days before I go to the US. Let's see, where are we? Where, oh, there's a 1st of October already. Holy shit, I'm going in like, one and a half weeks all right so this is basically the last week then all right one more week to make gains <laughs> one more week to make gains and then we're gonna take the incrolex out so i'm running out anyway because i gave 10 milligrams to aaron and uh taking out the growth hormone and then i'm just uh, gonna do a couple shots of hg and fsh and go about my business and then uh, fingers crossed somebody can hook me up in the united states if it's even required because i had uh yeah four sessions in with a, another one coming on sunday and if my wife isn't pregnant by now then uh, i don't know what will <laughs> sorry alex that you have to listen to all this stuff usually there's only boys in the chat but yeah my bad so yeah um let's see what happens hopefully i can slim down a little bit i do like a streamlined face i like my muscularity to be bigger also but it's a trade-off right bodybuilding is from the neck down if you're if your body increases in size and leanness, then it's usually at the expense of your face. Yeah, unfortunately. All right, Dharma, going to Vegas in November. What would Steve do in Vegas? Well, why are you not going to Orlando in November and 
Uh, are you going to the Formula One? That's in that's in November, right? Uh, so I've been to Las Vegas once, so I'm an expert. I was there a whole week, and I'm going to Las Vegas again um, in October. But in November, I'll go to the Mr. Olympia. So what I would do in Las Vegas, it highly depends on your money, but I can highly recommend if you can if you can afford it. And honestly, if you look at the time that you spent in a helicopter, it's well worth it. Do the Maverick helicopter tour. That's the biggest one, right? The the, the um, let me see where I, where I, Maverick helicopter let's see what the prices are now because i do know that the dxy the dollar is uh uh pretty uh horrendous now so maybe the prices have gone up quite significantly uh where is it tours the most expensive one that's what i did uh, i think it's the wind dancer six hundred dollars i think i spent more than that uh private charter oh that's with the airplane anyway have a look i did uh, the maverick helicopter tour and it was amazing it was so worth it yes you have to tip the the guy another 100 bucks depending on how he seats you for two people that is maybe i think i tipped 150 i mean i had a great time honestly this is like the best thing ever you do the full tour they bring you into the canyon at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. They start serving champagne, so you're nicely liquored up. And then the rest of the trip is absolutely stellar. Yeah, unlimited champagne, a pretty good champagne also, with a couple of uh, you know nuts uh, to keep you going. Bring some food with you, uh, so you can uh, stay anabolic, obviously, while you're uh, you know inhibiting your protein synthesis with alcohol. But that was absolutely amazing in Vegas. Go to Area 15. A lot of fun it's like a psychedelic uh, experience for adults uh, they call it disneyland for adults but you'll get it when you're there um if you can microdose uh, it should be a lot more fun but i wasn't able to do that because my hookups weren't in place uh, but that's something i can highly recommend and i believe they even added another attraction to area 15 so go have a look there and gordon ramsay hamburger great hamburgers uh they have two ones i think they had a new one i, I can't remember what the name was but th those were some stellar hamburgers but i'm coming from thailand so how good of a hamburger can you get in thailand compared to the united states where origin uh, hamburgers originated from let's see what else um just walk around the strip have fun you know do some sightseeing there's mini golf in uh it's no longer called is it the horseshoe i think they i think it's a horseshoe now yeah, somewhere, somewhere in the middle of the strip, there's a, a, a hotel that's like very, very long. It's a little bit off the, off the the road, so you have like some sort of, uh, you know, some market in front of it. I think it's a horseshoe. Anyway, you go to the basement. There's uh, mini golf, but it's with all the fluorescent lights, and uh, <laughs> a lot of fun there also. Yeah, so it's uh, it, man. There's so much stuff to do. I should I should check the stuff that I did. And shooting guns if you're into shooting guns then go to the shooting range spend like a thousand dollars on the um the basically the entire kit there's multiple shooting ranges i didn't get to do it last time but i still want to do it next time you spend like a thousand dollars you get like seven different guns and a fuckload of bullets and then you go to town <laughs> that's what i will do next time i go to the us okay let's move on alex no worries i'm used to the kind of conversation working at gyms all my life yeah it's terrible right boys will be boys but we do try to behave in the presence of uh, Amazonian goddesses. <laughs> so sometimes, 
Yeah. But if you're part of the gym culture, then, well, you know what's going on, right? Social justice warrior. I was thinking about running a low dose Anivar, 2.5 to 7.5 milligrams during my bulk for collagen effects as I just came off an injury. Um, I sprained my knee on a hill while putting uh, in uh, poplar poles. I don't know what a poplar pole is. Let me have a look. Poplar poles. That's to keep uh, trees uh, upright. Uh, manual labor is rough. Okay, so uh, if the injury is already uh, recovered, then yes, Anivar will certainly help. And uh, I would do, yeah, 5 milligrams, 10 milligrams, just the entire off-season for bulk effects. And I'm sure, make sure that you have some collagen supplements in there and, uh, you know, some vitamin C and some hyaluronic acid. Um, yeah, and then you can grow nice and dandy. All right, Alex, Gordon Ramsay Burger is insane. Been there four times. <laughs> yeah, awesome. I went there two times, I think, with two days in between. And, of course, you know, the Mr. Olympia last year, was in um, the Planet Hollywood, and Gordon Ramsay hamburger is in um, is in Planet Hollywood, right when you come down. So you come down, and you already see Gordon Ramsay. So I'm like, oh, babe, let's go again. Yeah, or did I go there three times? No, I went there three. <laughs> I went there three times in a week. Yeah, that's how good it is. So the first time, me and my wife went, and the second time, I went with. Um, my buddy who was competing, he just came off a show. We actually had two hamburgers. First one was in uh, Paris, but that hamburger wasn't so good. So the guy was disappointed. And I'm like, you know what? Let's go to Gordon Ramsay hamburger instead. So we went there and then we had more hamburgers. And then uh, that was, he, he competed in the amateur Mr. Olympia. So he was done on Friday, I think, and then, or, or Thursday. And then Saturday after the Mr. Olympia, I went to uh, Gordon Ramsay. Or, or in the, no, before, before, before the Mr. Olympia, I went to Gordon Ramsay again with my wife, and then we went up because we had tickets sitting all the way in the back. That's not going to happen again. I got a VIP ticket this time. So, yeah, um, it's a very high likelihood that you see me at Gordon Ramsay hamburger next time I go to Vegas. All right, guys, let's uh, cut it off and let the public join. So I'm going to go um, take a bathroom break. And then uh, we're going to answer all the funny questions. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Put that on the screen. I don't know how to mute my microphone. Oh, I do know. Yeah, so you don't have to listen to me going to the bathroom. I don't even know how this computer works. <laughs> YouTube studio content live unlisted public all right for the horde <laughs> see you guys in a bit
All right. Hopefully my microphone was muted. <laughs> Guys, I, uh, I just got a new laptop and I'm using the internal microphone on my laptop with some fancy editing um, or fancy plugins because I couldn't somehow connect my uh, G-Hub or Logitech, what was it, uh, Blue Yeti X, which I should be buying a new one anyway. So all the more reasoning to buy some more uh, equipment. But I'm on a new laptop now. Hopefully everything looks nice. Hopefully the audio quality is good. And uh, hopefully at one point I'll get a better mic because that's the Blue Yeti X I'm ready to throw in the trash. Vicarian SK. Uh, have used only pharmaceutical growth hormone, but want to give generic GH a try. Uh, if ever used 24-hour re-up generics before, any good? There's a lot of options from them. Now, I've never used any of their generics or underground labs, so you're going to have to uh, do the research, learn um, about particular brands, and then decide if you want to pull the plug. I prefer pharmaceutical grades over generics. I haven't used generics in years, so uh, proceed with caution at your own risk. That's, uh, yeah, that's what I would say. Teacher's gone. It's a free-for-all. I just went to the bathroom, dude, but I'm back now. Can we ask anything now? Yes, anything goes. Yeah, this is the vigorous Q&A where all the jerk questions are welcome. And before I forget, um, from the live stream on my birthday only two days ago, all of the uh, performance announcing jerk questions I answered at the beginning, like here, for example, here, uh, Ike Grata Occult asked about fa uh, favorite mitochondrial sports supplements. So go back to the beginning if you're interested in all of these questions. This one, and 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 this one. It was like three questions. Um, or was that on the, I don't know, it was on the Patreon page. So all the questions that were asked uh, two days ago, I answered already at the beginning. And now it's a free fucking for all. Happy birthday from Mike Freeman. Much appreciated. And sounds very good. Okay, awesome. Awesome. Proceed. Proceed, guys. Chai's Clements. Or Charles. Is it Chai's or Chai's? Chai's Chai's Clements. Uh, just finished six weeks of Austrian MK677 with TRT as a testosterone base. Oh, okay, almost. I almost started getting upset. <laughs> How long should I wait before my first anniversary cycle? Uh, dosage recommendations for first time. Um, well, do your blood work and see if your lipids and liver enzymes are in range. And when they are in range, they should stay in range for a while before you add in the anivar. So as a rule of thumb, uh, I would add in another six weeks, then you have 12 weeks off, six weeks to kind of get back into baseline and the six weeks of uh, baseline readings on TRT only, and then throw in the anivar 20 milligrams per day, I would say um that would be a good time to start hopefully your anivar is real and then you realize that anivar shits on austrian <laughs> for sure let's see all right is there a smart way to take the animal with 200 milligrams of testosterone a week uh, you can take it sublingually, so you reduce the aromatiz or the methyl yeah the aromatization of testosterone. My God, take it sublingually, so you reduce the aromatization of the anabol into methyl estradiol because it's part of the 
metabolism occurs in the intestinal tract before it even hits the liver because yes the intestinal tract also has aromatized enzymes and then take an aromatized inhibitor to prevent further reduction so this way through sublingual administration you can get uh, better pumps uh, less aromatization and you're still going to um you know uh, or, or and also less stress on the, the liver for the amount of effects that you get and then you still need to reduce the aromatization by taking an aromatized inhibitor make sure you have some sort of blood pressure or medication on standby because the anabol can potentially let off a lot of water retention and uh, thus blood pressure increases so whether you have cialis or lisinopril or thermosartan or uh, anything else that modulates your blood pressure keep that on hand john jones thank you for everything you do brother yeah my pleasure it's so funny that john jones actually made it to stan efferding's um uh, instagram page even though john jones has a picture of uh, kai green instead of john jones and stan efferding thought that this john jones was actually the john jones unless this is the john jones um masking him uh, his instagram or his youtube profile as uh, kai green <laughs> good stuff all right bring on the questions guys anything goes mike freedom uh freeman coach have you ever done oral methyl trimbolone i think i did yeah i think i did at one point um methyl yeah i did yeah oral methyl train right yes i have maybe once or twice uh, i have some for a very long time ago but never tried three years after expiration date but looks good i think i'm about adding it to my trt <laughs> 125 milligrams every five days uh methyl trend is highly liver toxic so make sure you have some tatka and nac and everything else in place and um make sure you know how to count to 10 and maybe 100 because methyl trend will make you angry like that more than superdrol or halotestin does yeah so maybe once a week one milligram that's it one milligram once a week before uh, hardcore lifts yeah leg day Let's do leg day. Have some uh, blood pressure management in place because blood pressure might spike from a single low dose administration of one milligram. And then build your way up if you can tolerate. Thoughts on oral SR9009 and nasal melanotan 2. Happy birthday. Thank you. Okay, so oral uh, SR9009, um, you know, they say that it has low oral bioavailability and that's why SR9011 was developed or injectable SR9009 is available. Um, it might potentiate some fat loss through the activation of the REF ARB. Is it the REF ARB? I think so. Yeah, it's been a while since I looked into oral sr9009 anyway it starts something that has to do with metabolism um and and it's also beneficial to help you start your circadian rhythm properly so i might run some sr9009 when i get to the united states because i'll be flying like seven eight flights in my uh, month that i'm outside of thailand um and i uh, i'm going to pass many a time zone so i might use a little bit of uh, melanotan no no melatonin not melanotan freudian slip right there um, might use some melatonin 10 milligrams before bed and then 20 milligrams of SR9009 upon waking to wake me up according to the circadian rhythm which is now stimulated with um, uh, drugs basically and nasal melanotan too um, could work but it might make you flush even more like a lot of these peptide websites they have now uh, nasal uh, NAD plus nasal BBC 157 nasal melanotan 2 simply to diversify into the market that is not willing to inject 
Um, but I think Melanotan 2, BPC-157, NAD+, plus, those all are meant to be injected. And the only nasal sprays that actually work are um, intranasal testosterone, Natesto, Samax, Selang, and intranasal insulin. And everything else, um, yeah, I don't know if it's that efficacious. I tried intranasal NAD+, plus, didn't do much. Yeah, didn't do much compared to IV NAD+, plus, which I do every week. So, yeah. All right, DHEA question. Just search for DHEA on my channel. I have many videos about it. Let's see. Malachi Jaeger, congrats on the success you've had by this age. Steve, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, hard work pays off. It just sucks that you have to work six and a half days for you know, per week for a multitude of years before it starts to pay off. <laughs> Dubstep Racing. Hey, Steve, what's your thoughts on a low-dose trimbalone acetate? I'm on TRT, 140 milligrams uh, per week. Propionate, blood work is on point. My training and diet is dialed in. Uh, go for it. 10 milligrams subcutaneous per day, 70 milligrams trimbalone acetate per week to start on this dose of testosterone and then build your way up as needed. You know, uh, can you get the same effects of 150 milligrams Primo? Potentially, right? But you never know until you get your hands dirty. You never know how you're going to respond. You can do all the research that you want, but, um, you know, eventually you're going to have to pin for you to figure out the higher truth. So I'm certainly not against it. Um, watch the video that will drop on Monday about how to sustain your mood on Tremblo. Yeah, it will open your mind. It's 20 minutes long? Yeah, well, is it is it 20 minutes? Let me confirm. It's already on the channel, but... Yeah, 19 minutes and 47 seconds of golden advice. Golden advice. Watch it Monday before you pull the plug or before you pin, right? My pleasure. <clears throat> how ma? How ma is a Chinese? <laughs> that is, how long is a Chinese? That's not a question, it's a statement. Dead iron. Uh, what would you advise to deal with symptoms of irritable bowel syndrome or ir irritable bowel disease? Got lab work showing elevated platelets, monocytes, eosinophils, low uh, blood to nitrogen, creatinine ratio, albumin. Dealt with this before, but symptoms stopped. So you have to figure out what's causing the irritable bowel syndrome uh, by fo following an elimination diet. And after following an elimination diet, you need to write that on your uh, kitchen cabinet or your fridge. A list of foods you shouldn't eat because irritable bowel syndrome is always exacerbated by particular foods could be processed foods could be oatmeal uh, and uh, celiac disease uh, was it a delicious gluten that can set it off could be that you're uh, in such an inflammatory state that your uh, bowels are responding to that um, so maybe your diet is absolutely flawless but you're so inflamed due to the synthetic carrier oils that you're using uh, that you can still get irritable bowel syndrome. So um, the solution, the long-term solution is to take shit out that <laughs> doesn't work for you. <laughs> but you have to go through the experimentation and the trial and error route until you figure out what is not good for you, right? But it's it's very likely that you're taking something that's exacerbating that and taking that out will ultimately fix it. All right, let's see. John Jones. They say tobacco nicotine consumption results in lower levels in serum levels of fluvoxamine. Did you ever consume tobacco when you were running fluvoxamine? What are your thoughts on this? 
Um, I think fluvoxamine inhibits nicotine metabolism, but I could be mistaken here. Nico nicotine metabolism. Which which enzymes? No, it goes through the C CYP two A six and CYP two B six. So it's not metabolized metabolized by fluvoxamine. Uh, where's my list of cytochrome P four fifty inhibitors? I already did a video about it, so I might have deleted it. Oh, no, here it is. Oh, that's not the wrong, not the right one. Oh, but it is nicotine. Is that a is that a, an inhibitor? Or an inducer? That's no, all nicotinamide. No, so it, I see that nicotine. Oh, nicotine and nicotine is an inhibitor. Okay, nicotine is an inhibitor. Sorry, of the CYP two A six. Might also be a substrate. And it's nice. In one second, guys, I have to go to Wikipedia because this kind of shit I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, niacin. All right, so it's only an inhibitor of CYP two A four and. Is fluvoxamine metabolized by the CYP2A4? Let's see. No. Fluvoxamine. No. Oh, that's fluvoxamine. <laughs> fluvoxamine. Oh, no, I, I'm not really sure. I'll have to look into that. Um, you know, when I consume nicotine, it's in the form of cigars and you don't get so much absorption of the nicotine. Of course, if you have a fat cigar, you do get a little bit of a nicotine high towards the end, but it's not to the same effect that you get from smoking a cigarette or taking uh, nicotine patches or that kind of stuff. So you're, um, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't, I, I'm not sure if that's the case. Yeah. I'll have to do some more research. Uh, but if, if that's the case, then don't consume nicotine or, or increase the dose of fluvoxamine to compensate if you're a frequent nicotine consumer. Like if you smoke cigarettes chronically and you take fluvoxamine um, to manage life a little bit better and you notice that the effect of fluvoxamine is reduced, then of course you'll have to increase your fluvoxamine dose with an increment of 10 milligrams, 25 milligrams. Right? So, but I, I'm not aware about this metabolic pathway. Deepak, think about using Novadex 20 milligrams for three weeks, then off for three weeks, then on again for three weeks, instead of uh, using ACG to keep my balls running. Not sure. What are your thoughts? Thanks in advance. I don't think that Novadex is particularly good to raise your luteinizing hormone levels. I think Clomid or Enclomiphene is better at that. Um, otherwise, they would use uh, Novadex in, a, in a, you know Clomid or Enclomiphene monotherapy. There would, there would be there would be something like a tamoxifen. Uh, monotherapy to raise testosterone levels. So I would look into clomid or clomiphene instead. Um, if you're running Novadex for twenty uh, for three weeks at twenty milligrams, keep in mind that part of this increasing effect comes from norindoxifen, which is a metabolite of tamoxifen, which is a potent aromatized inhibitor, and the other metabolite of tamoxifen is the actual selective estrogen receptor modulator. Tamoxifen is a prodrug for two other. Um, metabolites, pro, two other hormones, not two other drugs. One of them is an aromatizing inhibitor, lowering estrogen levels. One of them is a selective uh, estrogen receptor modulator, blocking the effect of estrogen. So now you get a dual effect. And if you're not on TRT, not on exogenous steroids, 
then it might work. But if you on, are on exogenous steroids, I don't think it's going to work. I still think you need clomid or enclomiphene. I could be mistaken here, but I've never seen blood work on anybody running Novidex solo. Yeah, so you, you might be the first one to run that experiment. D3, how high would you go on ATG to test uh, what your balls can make maximally? Also, you said ATG monotherapy shuts you down. So how do you do PCT after stopping? So if you do, if you go with ATG monotherapy, just as a trial for your testicular, um, you know, assess what your testicular potential is, 250 IOs one to two weeks, and 500 IOs, oh, that's three times a week, so 250 IOs three times a week for one to two weeks, see how you feel, go to 500 IOs three times a week for one to two weeks, then maybe 1,000 IOs three times per week for one to two weeks, and then maybe 1,000 IOs every single day. At one point, you don't notice a difference, that's your uh, maximal uh, stimulatory effect. Um, I would say that a thousand IELTS HCG every other day or three times per week is more than sufficient to maximally stimulate your testicles. I mean, that's what I'm doing right now. And look at my semen parameters. <laughs> Stellar, although my testosterone levels are not that high, 600 to 900, depending on when I measure them. So um it will shut you down you know your luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormones will be non-existent because your testosterone levels are higher and thus your estrogen levels are higher if you can use an aromatized inhibitor to reduce your estrogen levels to let's say bottom middle of the reference range which is not good for health but might be able to sustain your luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone as parts of the hypothalamic pituitary testicular axis and doesn't shut you down in this way but uh, you might not feel as good Right. Plus, you need to see if your testosterone levels go super physiological, how much your estrogen levels go super physiological, how it depends on your body fat. If you already take some sort of um, supplemental aromatized inhibitor like zinc, for example. Um, so, again, I would figure it out on HCG solo, figure out what the highest dose is for the maximum testosterone levels, see where your estrogen levels are at. You can find that out in four weeks. You don't get so much pituitary shutdown after that even though your estrogen levels might be a little bit elevated but you can always bring that down with an aromatized inhibitor and then keep your hpta going to a certain extent if you don't do that you're going to hcg monotherapy for let's say two years you've been shut down then yes you need a pct of clomid and clomid uh of clomid or enclomiphene but it probably doesn't have to be such a high dose of 100 milligrams for a week 100 milligrams per day for a week and then 50 milligrams for two weeks and then 25 milligrams for two weeks right you might be able to get away with 25 milligrams per day but time will tell and uh, you have to experiment as it's a little bit unwatered territory because most men that do hcg monotherapy for a year they ultimately proceed into uh, testosterone replacement therapy because it's cheaper yeah it's cheaper to run that Let's see, is 11 a.m. too late for testing testosterone? It was 534 nanograms per deciliter at 11 a.m. in the morning. Uh, it might have been like 600. I think the fluctuation is like 10 to 20% um, if you check it early enough. So I would wake up, uh, drink a little bit of water, have a coffee, go to the clinic at 8 a.m. or 9 a.m., test it then. I always check it within two hours of waking up, uh, but I'm on exogenous hormones. So don't take my word for it, but it does seem that testosterone levels decline uh, the longer you stay awake the highest levels you will get in the morning so if if it's like 500 in the morning you wake up then it's probably like 400 during the day <laughs> that kind of sucks yeah so don't go uh, don't go don't be lazy wake up have your coffee go in for testing
SNC testing. Uh, I think I answered this in the beginning, buddy. Yeah, I, I answered your question in the beginning about the effects on HDL. So please use the timestamps to go to the beginning, but I will answer this because it's a little bit different. Um, let's see. 6 to 12 milligrams compounded anivar, 20 milligrams pre-workout, which is different from the question you asked previously. You asked about 6 milligrams anivar, 30 milligrams, or 30 minutes. 6 milligrams sublingual anivar, 30 minutes pre-workout, not double the dose and a, a closer window of opportunity. <laughs> I got my eyes on you. Uh, on non-workout days, how many, how to take? Also, I'm taking 80 milligrams testosterone shipping Monday and Thursday. Your thoughts? Okay, so your TRT dose is 160 milligrams per week. Sounds good to me. Hopefully, your estrogen levels are nice and sweet that way. Also, your SHBG levels are nicely managed. And then you take 6 to 12 milligrams compounded Anivar, 20 milligrams sublingually pre-workout. Sounds good. Split up the dose, morning and evening, also sublingually on rest days so your intake of anivar whether that's six milligrams per day or 12 milligrams per day is just consistent just take it every day because collagen synthesis needs to take place on your rest days as well because muscle recovery happens on rest days so yeah if you have access to compounded anivar just take it every fucking day dude yeah legit shit klaus happy birthday bro thank you does red grape um, extract, I'm assuming, affect the consumption of SR9011 and cardery? I'm not sure if red grape is a cytochrome P450 or a metabolism in, in, uh, inducer. Uh, there's many of them. Uh, metabolism isn't... Uh, might reduce iron absorption. Might improve liver function and drug metabolism. Oh, it might might improve drug metabolism. I'm not sure off the top of my head, honestly. It's not something I've looked into. So, um, if you're worried, if it does show that it increases the absorption or metabolism of particular drugs, um, and it has a very long half life, then don't take it. <laughs> you know, if you're if you want your SR9009 and cardarine for fat loss, or um, SR9011 and cardarine for fat loss and you feel that this speeds up the metabolism, then uh, don't take the red grape and just focus on the fat loss. Take the red grape extract again when you're done with your fat loss phase. What's up, new members? Welcome to the team. Professor Sheep, no, okay. Um, answering questions among people in chat. That is fine. Saves me some time. <laughs> And maybe I just kick back and let you guys do my job. You know? All right, let's see if there's a question. Ah, here we go. Too young. A few months ago, my heart rate was 135. That is blood pressure. <laughs> That's not heart rate. <laughs> A few months ago, my blood pressure was 135 over 80. I had an angiogram. My heart was healthy. <laughs> Should I run an uh, angiotensin converting enzyme inhibitor? My diet is clean, 12% body fat. I perform daily uh, cardio cycle is TRT plus 175 milligrams per week and a 30 milligrams per day. Okay, so yes, your blood pressure is a little bit too high. It could be that you're simply calcium and magnesium deficient. I have videos about proper electrolyte intake. Search them. I have an article corresponding on my website, vigorsteve.com. Give that one a read. Give the video a watch. 
if that doesn't manage your blood pressure which in many cases men are just calcium and magnesium deficient if it doesn't manage your blood pressure look into um i would prefer telmasartan over lisinopril so that's an a or b over an ace inhibitor because those ace inhibitors can give you a dry cough and it doesn't seem to be the case uh, with uh, telmasartan for example and otherwise uh, 5 milligrams cialis per day is very good for blood pressure management and for monstrous erections yeah and who doesn't want that you know if you're on trt i'm sure your libido is heightened and uh, if your cardiovascular health is good you're probably also pumping um like there's no tomorrow so put the cialis in and reap all the rewards <laughs> your mama <laughs> your mama jokes i'm 19 years old natty with a torn hip labrum i've had incomplete recovery from orthopedic injuries before and i'm thinking about bbc 157 and tp 500 post-surgery thoughts um yeah go for it you're obviously old enough to make this decision um you're over 18 years old um, you've had a torn hip laterum and you're going to do surgery. BPC157 and TP500, uh, TP500, one milligram each, injected as close to the site of injury as you can. Some of those injections can be sub-Q, some of them can be intramuscular, again, in the ventral glutes or uh, you know the upper glutes, right? So insulin needles, use two IUs of growth hormone locally as well and um maybe go with bpc no, no no sorry ghk copper which is very good for collagen synthesis but if you just you know stick with uh, collagen supplements and vitamin c hyaluronic acid you get all of the building blocks to recover from that injury asap alongside the one milligram bpc 157 one milligram tb 500 and the two AUs of growth hormone you're 19 you don't have to shut yourself down with exogenous testosterone or anivar I'm sure you can recover just fine because assuming that you're 19 and your endogenous testosterone production is sufficient, you should get more than adequate collagen synthesis out of that on top of the BPC, TB500 and the growth hormone that you're going to take. Good luck. And don't tell your classmates because they're going to rat on you. So keep it between us, us in the audience, your mama. Yeah, don't tell a soul. But then you'll have a good story when you're 40 years old and you don't have to give a fuck about classmates anymore. And you're like, yeah, man, I was 19 and it took all the pharmaceuticals to recover from my injury. Ah, fuck you guys. Brandon, any suggestions to do NoFap in order to orgasm faster? Uh, lasting far too long after my last cycle. I went on TRT, prolactin, and estrogen are good. Okay, so in this case, um, FOP less. Right? Or maybe do no FOP until uh, sensitivity has returned and then reintroduce the FAP so you uh, don't come buckets uh, as soon as uh, the girl uh, puts your pants off. Right? You still need to have some sort of intercourse uh, for you to come. So, unfortunately, with the longer you do no FAP or similar tension, <laughs> still the dumbest shit ever. <laughs> oh man, you should have seen the comments on that short. Fuck, dude. Anyway, uh, you do no FAP for a while. Right? And when, when sensitivity has returned and you feel that sensitivity is so high that you come too early, then you reintroduce the FAP um, so you can sustain sensitivity to a, a point in time where you have like a 10 to 20 minute window of high quality sex uh, without orgasming too fast. And of course, uh, didn't you know I mentioned this in the, in the live stream two days ago about angles, right? You have certain angles where you can come uh, very fast and other angles where you can come very slow. So figure out your angles, right? Everybody has their favorite angle. Um, Kurt Angle, especially. 
and it's a little wrestler. Um, so figure out your angles, figure out your um, masturbation interval, and then uh, go to town for as long as you want. Yeah, figure it out. No, it's a valid question, Ryan. It's a valid question. I had, I had fun answering it. Izzy, taking 25 micrograms of uh, lyothyronine. Okay, I said it's T3. <laughs> uh, but having a TSH of 1.38 uh, units per milliliter. T4 is 48 nanograms per deciliter. Still don't feel great. Uh, normal superphysiological range. Um, maybe you need a little bit more uh, T4. Maybe add in 50 micrograms T4 on top of that. Oh, no, leothyronine. That's T4, sorry. Fuck, my bad. My bad, that's not T3, that's T4. Um, so maybe you need a little bit more. Maybe you need 50 micrograms of T4 to bring your T4 levels up. Right? What, what are your total T4, uh, free T4? You have to look into the total picture. And TSH is this moment in time. So next time, uh, maybe increase the 50 micrograms T4. Give it like two weeks. Then check your entire hormone panel of your thyroid hormones. And then take it from there, you know. But sometimes it's not about thyroid intake maybe it's uh, other things like your uh, testosterone levels or your dietary intake or maybe you're highly stressed from school or work or relationship stress right look into the total picture it's not always about uh, taking more drugs which it sounds funny coming from me yeah but sometimes i uh i have wise answers but not always deja and tendu welcome to the vigorous crew buddy Arms bra concerns uh, with baby aspirin and hemorrhea. So it said uh, bleeding, hemorrhea. Hematuria, is that the one? Blood, blood in your urine. No, that's not the one. Hemorrhea. How the fuck do you spell that? Had slight hemoglobin in your oh so that's that's uh, blood in the urine okay should have kept reading so he has a uh, blood in the urine had slight hemoglobin in urine with dipstick but went away soon as I stopped it everything else is fine okay so aspirin can thin the blood but I don't know if it has a negative effect on your kidney function and again it doesn't mean that um, there's a negative effect on your kidney if you had a kidney stone at one point and that passes through the urethra in the bladder into the prostate then maybe you have um, a little bit of blood in the urine or hemoglobin in the urine from an injury, an issue that's elsewhere, that's not the kidneys. So I don't think that's related to aspirin, but it could be. Maybe aspirin is thinning the blood so much that this kidney stone that's lodged somewhere is um, you know, causing you to bleed more than otherwise. Keep this in mind, right? Um, maybe do some sort of ultrasound on your uh, bladder and kidneys and prostate to see if there's a kidney stone present. And until then, uh, take the baby aspirin out and look into acetic acid from apple cider vinegar, which is actually able to dissolve kidney stones wherever they are over time. So, and otherwise look into Flomax, um, Tomsulosin, but you have to get that under medical supervision. So... Take the baby aspirin out and then uh, find the root cause of the blood in your urine because it's usually a structural thing. Um, yeah. All right, next one. Uh, Besenza, what do you what do you recommend for pregnancy in the first trimester and onwards? Already taking life extension prenatal, 600 milligrams NAC, myonositol, 2 grams. Um, 
I'm not qualified. <laughs> really, I'm not qualified for that kind of advice. So I, I would just focus you on, uh, tell you to focus on your health. If you feel that these vitamins are uh, improving your pregnancy in the trimester and health of your baby, then go for it. But I'm, I'm not knowledgeable enough to give advice on this front. And my wife has been doing a lot of research on what she needs to do during pregnancy. And I've been doing a lot of research on what I need to do to recover my fertility, which is well documented on this YouTube channel. But I'm not entirely sure. She's not pregnant yet. And when she's pregnant, I will do more research on uh, uh, fetal health. But until that time, I've just been focusing on how to get her pregnant. And uh, so far, uh, nothing to report. So yeah, I can't help you there. I'm sorry. Nick, I'm trying to manage hypothyroidism and have titrated dosages over time to 150 micrograms T4 and 50 micrograms T3. Free T3 levels are still below range. Any ideas? Uh, could chronic caloric restriction be the cause? Yes, uh, you know, your thyroid binding globulin levels can go up from certain medications, but also uh, chronic caloric restriction. So maybe you're just, um, maybe it's time to increase the food intake. Maybe your insulin levels need to come up a little bit. Maybe your hormone levels need to come up a little bit and testosterone and some of the anabolic androgenic steroids are able to reduce thyroid binding globulin levels quite uh, favorably. So maybe your um, androgen levels are just too low for your, for your thyroid levels to be free. Right? Maybe it's just time to uh, throw in the towel on your diet and fuck man, at 150 micrograms T4 and 50 micrograms T3, um, your metabolism should be pretty high. But you know, maybe it's just time for a diet break. Bring the T4 down to 100 micrograms, the T3 down to 25 micrograms. It's more than a maintenance dose. You shouldn't get fat during the time that you bring your calories up. But maybe the free uh, thyroid levels will come up sufficiently for you to have a more net positive outcome of the reduced thyroid hormones that you're taking. Yeah, so give that a try. Uh, let's see. I think my Gorilla Mode Nitric is starting to wear off. <laughs> or Gorilla Mode Respawn is starting to wear off. Getting sleepy. But I've done four hours of consultations. And one hour with uh, Paul Barnett. And now uh, one and a half hours on this podcast. So I've thrown a towel earlier. Then my sincere apologies. <laughs> it's been a long day. Uh, here we go. Another super chat. I'm currently on 375 milligrams testosterone in a day, 375 milligrams mastron, 20 milligrams Cialis every other day. I'd like to add some superdrol. I've never tried superdrol. On what should I watch out for? Um, yeah, insane pumps, but of course blood pressure increasing. But you're already on 20 milligrams Cialis every day. I would I would change that to 10 milligrams Cialis every day. I plan to take superdrol only as pre-workouts. Um, you know, I have your liver protocol in place. You know, Tatka, NAC uh you know injectable glutathione because super draw is pretty heavy on the liver so i would put some injectable glutathione in place for liver health and uh, plenty of fiber to help with detoxification maybe some additional um lipid support fish oil such as bergamot berberine right a healthy diet overall and then uh, run it for like two to three weeks at maximum then come off come off the master as well cut down to trt clean out get yourself healthy because you'll certainly feel a little bit toxic because superdrol toxic as fuck but you can still make solid gains on 20 milligrams 30 milligrams per day for two maximum three weeks yeah but you do need to come off this entire protocol after you've run superdrol for such a long time mr elon musk that is the avatar that you're using justin 
what was your experience with GHK Copper on site enhancement wise? Uh, well, it worked very, very good. I gained a lot of size on my outer. Well, you can't really see it at this angle, right? But look at the videos that I made about GHK Copper and site enhancement. I, I gained solid mass. Now, I did lose a little bit of definition on my outer tricep, but I, yeah, it, it does look more pronounced. And even on the teardrops on my quads, I gained a good amount of mass. The problem is, is that it gets so bound up and so tight that if you don't do deep tissue massage therapy it will literally turn to stone <laughs> really so make sure you have a deep tissue massage therapist grassland technique maybe act on relief release therapy because it gets fucking tight fucking bound up uh, five milligrams seems to be the sweet spot five milligrams bilaterally so that's 10 milligrams per administration site dilute it you know, so if you inject five milligrams, maybe dilute it into three milliliters of, uh, you know, sterile uh, water or, or water with, uh, you know, a lot of benzoyl alcohol for sterility purposes, um, because it will burn like a motherfucker. Yeah. So I did, um, I think like a two or three month protocol every single day on either the teardrops or the, the triceps. And it, it grew up quite a bit. Now, nowadays you wouldn't see that because I'm off steroids for such a long time. But if I ever go back to a pretty high dose again, you would see that my uh, triceps are nice and sweeping on the outside here. Because I couldn't reach this part. Again, in the front of a bicep, this is hanging. Right? Well, still hanging a little bit, but it's mostly the outer head that I was pinning. And the same with the teardrops. Gained a good amount of size. So watch the videos about GSK Copper and Side Enhancement. I have a dedicated video about it. Dubstep Racing. Uh, with my previous question about Trimbalone Acetate, do you suggest I stack it with anything uh, low, does, uh, such as Deca? No, 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 no. That's side effects in a bottle. Anivar or anything to maximize gains. No, so you add in the Trimbalone first, give that like four weeks, and then stack it with Anivar for another four weeks, and then your cycle is done. Right, eight weeks on Trimbalone is more than enough to make gains, and you shouldn't run it too long because Trimbalone is neurotoxic as shit, and so is Deca. Uh, but those have been extensively studied when it comes to neurotoxicity, and some of the other steroids haven't been studied at all. So all the people that say that Trimbalone and Androlone are neurotoxic, and thus you need to run uh, Mastron or Primibolin because they're not neurotoxic, <laughs> that hasn't been studied in the context. <laughs> Absence of evidence isn't evidence of absence. <laughs> Fucking retards. Right? Just because the scientific evidence isn't there doesn't mean that it's safe. Super toxic propaganda. Yeah. Okay, well run it run 30 milligrams for uh six weeks and come back to us. If he does, he does. <laughs> Derek! Well, it's not more plates, more dates. I've been cycling pro-hormones, testosterone, anatate, underground labs. I want to get on TRT via clinic. Do I have to let my testosterone crash first? My uh, patient care provider won't get me a referral since my testosterone were in range. Okay, so yeah, you'll have to crash your testosterone levels first. And in the meantime, as your testosterone levels are crashing, I'll make a video about this soon, run some clomid or inclomiphene so your luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone can come up back up to, let's say, one to two IUs per, uh, or milli IUs per milliliter, so that's bottom of the reference range. So your testosterone levels are kind of low, but your LH and FSH levels are still somewhat in range. And you're like, look, doc, I'm androgen deficient, <laughs> but my hypothalamic pituitary uh, uh, testicular axis is non-functioning. This is why my testosterone levels are low. 
and then he might prescribe you testosterone replacement therapy right so i'll make a separate video about this soon but this is basically the way i would approach it um if you're in the united states and you present your case with merrick health i'm sure they can help you they would still want you to get healthy because you're using pro hormones and underground tests um so they would have to get you healthy first and then maybe prescribe you uh, trt right? they're a little bit more understanding than your current patient care uh, coordinator provider uh, but if you don't have access to merrick health you're going to have to fake your blood work by coming off using a little bit of enclomiphene uh, to uh, bring your LH and FSH levels up. And then when that is favorable, you do uh, some blood work out of pocket. And then when that is favorable, you go in for blood draw at your, um, your, your clinic. And then everything should be good enough for you to get a prescription. Good luck. Oh, here, Captain Flint. No, I wasn't able to um, piece that together yet. I did some research, but this week I was kind of busy. I had a lot of videos to prepare for a lot of consultations. And, uh, well, my birthday, obviously. So don't expect too much work out of me on my birthday, even though it was uh, still a working day. Um, so I didn't get very far in the Nabivol and Nandrolone, but it's still on the to-do list. Uh, please remind me <laughs> next week. <laughs> Sorry. Ah, here we go. What can I expect from super, super physiological levels of testosterone when it comes to imprenditorial? <laughs> imprenditorial. What the fuck is that word, dude? Imprenditorial. In English translation, entrepreneurial means to having quality success. Yeah, okay, so i just recorded the entrepreneurial deep dive part one talking about a cookie cutter hormone replacement therapy give that one a watch give that one a watch game changing yeah i wish i was on hrt myself so i could have some more drive even though i have a great drive but the the the, the dopamine reward simply isn't there yeah that's a, that's the risk of uh, coming uh, on hormone replacement therapy and then having to come off at one point life isn't as good but still manageable. Uh, Vicarian SK, heard you have a Thailand survival guide for moving. Any thoughts on making it public? Dude, it, it is public. It's called the Thailand survival guide, but the Thailand starter kit is only available for people that are vouched for that I met personally. So I met Nick personally. I've met Adam personally, uh, Aaron obviously personally. So they got the uh, Thailand um, starter kits for me containing a boatload of sources and how to get started but most of the information is already on the thailand survival guide which is publicly available here on youtube so come to thailand first meet me and if i vouch for you if i like you i'll send you some additional information and if i don't like you no <laughs> then you might have to poach it from nick or adam or eric but they're probably also uh yeah not uh, uh liking you if i don't like you i like most people yeah, unless you um, do me wrong, then I don't like you. You don't get off my shit list. <laughs> I'm not a forgiving person. Maybe I need to grow up, but once you're on my shit list, you're on my shit list for life. Yeah. The secret has been leaked on the Anabolic pod, uh, Bodybuilding Podcast. Yeah, I uh, shared many a secret already on there. So go to uh, Paul Burnett's Anabolic Bodybuilding uh, YouTube channel and watch the latest episode. It was uh, our latest live. It was literally recorded two hours and 45 minutes ago. All right. Let's scroll up a little bit. Hey, are you guys liking the, the, the video? Are you guys liking enough? I see 100 people. 
And how many likes did I get? I'm going to YouTube now. If I don't see 100 likes, then I'm going to lose my shit. 33 likes. Suck my balls. Bring that up. 34. All right, keep going. Keep going. We're going to pause the chat until I see the likes go up. <laughs> Hold the horses. 46. 53. Shame on you guys. <laughs> Shame on you guys for not liking. How the fuck am I going to get to 100,000 subscribers? How? If you guys are not doing likes, and these are comments, but these are comments to get answers, right? 54 likes, 58 likes. All right, keep going. But you can double like because then you unlike. 61. All right, super chat arrived. One second. All right, keep liking, guys. Malachi. I know the carrier oil and endogenous esterases play a role, but would you say the half-life of annotated and MCT oil is closer to 45 days or 7 to 10 days? Um, I would say 45 days. Yeah. yeah. Even if you do that subcutaneously, MCT oil disperses so fast and is readily metabolized by the lipases um, in adipose tissue or intermuscular tissue or uh, other tissues for that matter. So, um, yeah, I would say four to five days. If you go with MCT oil compounded from the compounding pharmacy and prescribed or self-compounded, um, uh, right, so home-brewed, daily micro-administrations, preferably sub-Q. That's what I would do if I have access to MCT oil uh, drugs. Oh, shit. <laughs> Malachi, that's how you say it. All right, all caps. <laughs> Malachi, motherfucker. All right, Malachi. Do you guys hear one of my cats outside? I think I think somebody wants to make a guest appearance. All right, one second. Okay. Okay, you want to come in? Bad boy. What's up, buddy? You should be sleeping. Hmm? You should be sleeping, right? You sound sleepy. All right, get out of here. These cats are so spoiled. <laughs> just, just in front of the door. Wow! Wow, pet me, motherfucker. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> what the fuck is that? <laughs> you ever watch the thing? Not the not the latest one, but the first one? Um that's one of those. <laughs> Found it in Antarctica on one of my expeditions. Yeah, and then adopted it. You just gotta be nice to it, you know? And then uh, they give you a lot of love. Alright, where are we? Where are we? Is it even possible to overdose in testosterone? Um, I'm sure you can. I think the highest dose that I've ever talked to somebody was like 4,000 or 5,000 milligrams per week. Um, apparently Nasser El-Sombadi did 7,000 milligrams per week, but that guy would give like bullshit answers. So you can't even take the guy seriously. The guy also died prematurely. So 
don't take it as his advice. But yeah, I've talked to people who've ran like four testimonials against testosterone and are still alive and in good state of health. Um, but you know, at one point you get uh, you know uh, you know limited uh, returns, right? So I, I had a great result in two thousand five hundred milligrams. Best cycle I ever did. Fucking legendary. Legendary. Steve's becoming a cat influencer. Yeah. Cats are the shit, dude. Like of all the things I ever bought in my life, <laughs> cats are cats were the best purchase. I spent how much money did I spend on these cats in total? Let's see. Calculator. Uh four thousand four hundred and fifty thousand divided by thirty six. Twelve thousand five hundred dollars on six cats. So on average that's um $2,000 per cat. Yeah, and the two that I adopted from outside, <laughs> those are free. <laughs> but those are vaccinated and sterilized and have a nice little collar and we do feed them the best cat food that we can find here in Thailand. So, yeah, it's the um, best hobby that's well worth the money. Some cats, some Sphinx cats were like $3,000. Yeah, $3,000. And one was only 1000 because uh, they wanted to give her up for adoption, but she's she's like the perfect cat. Um, Foxy, the black cat that we have. He's like the perfect cat. She sounds like a smoker, though. <laughs> like that. And she wakes up in the morning. I want to get pets. <laughs> My God. All right, here we go. Back to the drug questions. Dubstep racing. Okay, with suggestions of 70 milligrams per week, low-dose trimbalone. I stayed with my 140 milligrams TRT four weeks in at Anivar. Um, what's the dose you suggest for that? Should I split up the dose of Anivar? Should I increase my testosterone dose? No, I think that the testosterone dose of 140 milligrams per week is okay because trimbalone doesn't seem to potentiate so much effect on aromatization and the progesterogenic activity of such a low dose of trimbalone shouldn't exacerbate the estrogen which is in range when it comes to um, the risk for gynecomastia or libido issues. And Anivar doesn't seem to potentiate that effect as well. Of course, it will all lower your SHPG levels. Um, estradiol might be a little bit lower on Anivar, but not to the extent that I think. And I would run maybe 10 milligrams to 20 milligrams Anivar per day. You know, so you basically have 20 milligrams test, 10 milligrams train, and 10 to 20 milligrams Anivar per day for a total of 40, not, yeah, 40 to 50 milligrams of steroids per day. Um, and it's pretty doable, you know? I don't think you need to increase your test unless you see a significant reduction in your estrogen levels, which I'm not expecting. Um, but again, prove that with blood work, you know? Prove that with blood work. Zigzag, I, you, I, you, I skipped your super chat, did I? I don't like you. Oh, here it is. <laughs> I'm joking. Here it is. Oh, fuck, 10 bucks. Yeah, better answer that. Jesus Christ. Shame on me. All right. Probably too busy playing with my cats. All right. Thyroid stimulating hormone is at one. I'm hesitant to do ATG monotherapy because I know it speeds up metabolism. Yeah, and, and rodent studies. <laughs> Dude, I'm on a thousand IOS HCG. It has no effect on my thyroid stimulating hormone. Really? Yeah, and I was the one who found that first, but I didn't get credit for it. That's okay. Um, I don't want to push my already highly active thyroid into hypothyroidism. I've been uh, lean my entire life. Um, 
add in the HCG monotherapy, don't worry about it. And if you see your thyroid stimulating hormone come down in your T4, T3 levels, whether those are free or bound, come up, then HCG monotherapy is not for you. But I'm highly likely that's not going to happen. Um, there are instances of um, uh, goiter or issues with the thyroid, like benign growths in the thyroid, if and only if the person also has a pituitary adenoma and HCG levels are like sky fucking high, like really, really, really high. But even if you go on a thousand IOS HCG, your, your serum levels will go up to 20, 23 milli IOS per milliliter, which is not that high in the bigger picture. So um, my thyroid, totally fine. Nothing has changed. I've done a couple uh, measurements on my thyroid after reintroducing the HCG. I've been on HCG now at various doses for the last couple of years. Nothing has happened to my thyroid, but that's my thyroid, maybe not your thyroid. Do a thyroid ultrasound, add in the HCG. Um, of course, check your thyroid hormone panel before that time to get a baseline reading. Do it for four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. Check your thyroid again with an ultrasound and blood work. See what happens. I don't think in eight weeks you're going to develop thyroid cancer or issues with the thyroid. So, right, read the studies. It's all animal studies. And animal studies don't always translate to humans. All right, no worries. Uh, happy 40, thank you. 1200 milligrams NPP and Lantus on high days. Hey, get out of here. Get out of here. I've had, heard too much Simon Clark stuff. Get out beat it. <laughs> no, no, you can stay. <laughs> had a good, good, good talk with Ty and Clark recently. Uh, so yeah, Ty and Clark protocols, fuck a lot of MPP and uh, Lantus and high days, drop the Dianabol because of crazy blood pressure. Size gains are great, but strength has uh, regressed versus TRT. Yeah, so maybe you do need a little bit of testosterone. Why don't you add in a little bit of TRT uh, alongside of that for a favorable estrogen? And then uh, I'm sure you'll feel better compared to the Dianabol. And, and maybe size gains uh, in, or strength has decreased because the, because the Dianabol came out. So maybe add in 100 milligrams of testosterone. I do know that Tiana Clark has his guys on a lot of uh, DECA and then like a low dose of testosterone for favorable estrogen levels. And those guys feel good and have good results. Right? And DECA only doesn't mean you only have DECA, but it might mean that you have high DECA, high Lantus, and a little bit of test on top of it. So keep that in mind. Jing Quan, super sticker. All right, keep in mind that I answered your question in the beginning. Um, here, I did. I have to scroll all the way up. So many chats. Uh, did I, did I hear? This is your, this your answer? Right question I answered in the beginning. So use the timestamps to skip to that. Um, here's another question. Yeah, so, so this is the same question. So I answered it in the beginning. Please use the timestamps. I think I answered it within the first five minutes of this live stream because uh, like I mentioned uh, two days ago, I was going to answer all of the questions uh, today. So long story short, it could be from the binders that are making up the, the Anabol and the Viagra. Uh, that could be the cause of the allergic reaction, not the Anabol and the Viagra itself. Switch brands um, and then keep taking the Viagra and the Anabol and otherwise, um, yeah, maybe Viagra or the Anabol isn't good for you. Right, what is this? Indominable super high. But the picture doesn't really show that. That picture is from Watership Down. 
That's nightmare fuel. <laughs> Why the fuck do I know that? That's Watership Down, right? That bunny that fucking eats each other at the end. Jesus Christ. I watched that movie, that cartoon when I was man, six years old. Fuck. Still have nightmares. So nice, nice work, super hottie. All right, let's answer the question. Can you cross modafinil tablets to get 50 milligram dosages? Um, well, they're 100 milligrams usually, right? So you can cut them into fours and you have 25 milligrams per serving. And then if you have a razor, you can cut those into uh, eights and they have 12.5. So give that a try. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, yeah, 100 milligram tablets. Yeah, the Modiwake, Modiwake is 100 milligrams per tablet. You cut them in halves, you get 50 milligrams. Then you cut them in fours, you have 25 milligrams, and then you cut them in eights. And they have 12.5 milligrams. That's close enough to 15 milligrams. No more watership down. Is it watership down? Water bridge down? Water ship. Yeah, watership down. God. Good God. All right, next one. Fragrance man. Can I expect any water retention from uh, CJC and Ipermorelin combination? But it doesn't it matters if you have the drug affinity complex or no drug affinity complex. Panju Chem 1295 with DAC or no DAC, doesn't matter, honestly. Yes, you can get water retention because you're increasing your growth hormone levels and growth hormone contributes to water retention. Starting it next week. Also, I'm prescribed uh, 0.3 milliliter testosterone recipient every other day, so that's 240 milligrams per week. Is that a sustainable dose? Yes, if you train hard and you have a lot of sex, very sustainable dose. But if you're sedentary and you're not having a lot of sex, shame on you. Bring the dose down to 120 milligrams per week because you're undeserved. <laughs> anyway, uh, jokes aside, yes, you will gain some water retention. The testosterone that you're taking right now, the test safe 240 milligrams per week, um, should already potentiate some water retention, whether you have your estrogen under control or not. Testosterone also potentiates water retention and the increase in growth hormone output from your pituitary by stimulating the ghrelin and the uh, growth hormone releasing hormone receptors with CJC and Ipermorella and will certainly potentiate water retention. So keep that in mind. Um, yeah, and uh, enjoy the gains, right? Put the gains to work in the gym and in the bedroom. Uh, what would be the uh, steroids to deepen your voice, Brevard? A Trimbalog. Yeah, hands down Trimbalog. That's the most sustainable androgenic compound you can take. And when I say sustainable, six to eight weeks at maximum, uh, that deepened my voice quite a bit. And even now that I'm off steroids, I think my voice has permanently changed. Yeah. You know, baby, after a long day of nights, my best Barry, Barry White impression. Um, yeah, Barry White is shit. I'm Trimble and I had a Barry White voice. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. I'm uh, getting a bit tired, guys, and we're running out of super chats. So uh, let's um, uh, let's uh, let's throw in the towel. It's been a long day. Can't send the super chats because of travel restriction. Doc wants me to take Bactrim, even though uh, it has a major reaction with Lozartan, causing hyperkalemia. Um, yeah, uh, discuss it with your doctor. I'm not familiar with Bactrim and Lozartan interactions regarding hyperkalemia. So proceed with caution. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not uh, here to um, go against your doctor because I'm not familiar with this thing. Okay, and now the super chat's coming in. Okay, so after this, no more super chats. 
Yeah, no more super chats. I'll answer two more and that's it. And if you pay now, then too bad. Uh, Mutari. Uh, every time I take Cialis 20 milligrams every other day, my resting heart rate increases drastically uh, 15 to 20 points. Could this be because blood pressure is too low? Yes, it's very common for um, your heart rate to pick up if your blood pressure is too low. So switch to five milligrams every day or 10 milligrams every day, um, or maybe take a couple days off for your blood pressure to normalize. And otherwise, if you go with a high dose Cialis, you can increase your blood volume with a boatload of sodium. So maybe your sodium intake is not high enough for this blood pressure reduction that is occurring from this high dose Cialis that you're now taking. So maybe take one gram of sodium, maybe two grams of sodium extra over the day, not in one dose, over the day. Because again, Cialis is longer lasting, 36 hour half-life. Um, so make sure you have adequate blood volume and uh, you know to bypass this reduction in blood pressure and thus your um, uh, heart rate needs to come up to compensate for it. All right, next is the last super chat. Hugario, why do uh, an, why does Anadrol make me tired even though uh, I'm taking Roloxifene and Prami? Well, uh, Anadrol interacts with the estrogen receptor potentially, but and Roloxifene and Prami and uh, an aromatase inhibitor has no uh, effect on the non-existing conversion of Anadrol into estradiol. So um, I think the Prami and the Roloxifene in the AI is making you tired. And maybe the anadrol is making you more tired because you're now training harder. So take all of it out and uh, reassess and uh, restructure your protocol. Super chats, I thought you were doing it for love. Yeah, but super chats pay the bills, dude. I have two parallel internet connections. You know how much that costs me every single month to keep these super uh, to keep these live streams afloat. You better fucking super chat me. Fuck. <laughs> no, no, no. But I'm getting tired, guys. I'm getting fucking tired. It's been a long day. So I appreciate all of the super chats. Those are reinvested into my editor. And trust me when I say this, my editor is more expensive than all the money I make from this YouTube channel and the Patreon page. <laughs> so I'm still losing money on this shit. <laughs> oh, well. All right, guys, let's wrap it up. Um, this is like four and a half hours of live streams this week. Um, thank you guys so much for watching. We'll see you next week. Next week, we have... How to stay happy on Tremblone. We have uh, how to sustain insulin sensitivity on uh, Ibutamorin, MK677. We have uh, the first parts of the Entrepreneur Deep Dive video series, which will be three parts, maybe four parts, and um, hopefully a podcast. But stay tuned, and otherwise I'll just make another video. For now, we're out of time. Thank you guys so much for watching. Enjoy your weekend. Um, have fun for me, and we'll see you next weekend on the vigorous q a dropping on saturday peace out guys see you soon